Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. This is Kindling Helpline, where we take your questions about your babies and little ones, um, anything from toddler nightmares to babies not sleeping, not eating. Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue is here. She has over 30 years of experience going around and helping families, and she's sort of taking the guesswork out of parenting. We always say kids don't come with a manual. Well, here she is. This is your manual. So, um, hi, Chris. Manual for babies and toddlers. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. If you have a question for Chris, you can give us a call now. The number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. Or if you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your question underneath and we will attempt to get to as many as we can. And, of course, during the week, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. So we're going to start this week with um, Caroline, and I must let you know that Caroline is American, so you don't get confused. Um, Her son is finishing up at preschool, and he's going to be starting at a new school for kindergarten. So he's turning five at the end of June. Yep. Um, but this is in America time for summer and the holiday break. Oh, she's in America. She's in America. Oh, okay, that does make a difference. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. So she's yes. at the moment she's trying to get ahead around the idea of summer camp. Yes. He's gone before, but just for the month of July for about three hours in the morning. And they're also about to move house and change schools. So she's wondering whether having another new thing thrown into the mix is too much. So his little brother isn't a baby anymore and will be two in July. So she thought maybe we could spend the summer time time at home in the summer doing things. Or would he benefit from being around children his own age and getting out of the house? Um, so some of the camps are from nine to four, yeah. might be around a lake, so the long days, places that maybe he's not that experienced in, you know, he in can't swim. There. So um, she's just thinking, will I regret staying, keeping at home all summer? I think it'll be a long summer <laughs> if, you, if you bought him at home, uh, kept him at home time. for the whole time. I, it depends on the camp. So I, like she said before last year when he t- t- did a camp, he only went for four hours. And I think that that would probably be the best where you had a mix of him adjusting to life in a new house and in a new environment. Um, but the advantage of maybe going to camp is meeting kids of his own age that would be in that local area. So I think depending on the type of the structure of the camp, if he could go for a couple of days, that I think would really benefit him. And because to have a five-year-old at home for three months all day is quite a busy day. And plus she's got a little one. A little two-year-old. She here that they, you go out, one goes one way, one, one goes, goes the, the other. other. So I think if he can find a camp that just gives him a couple of days of being out mm. and being with kids his own age and being able to rough and tumble, then that would be great. But whether he needs it five days a week for long days, I think he would be very tired by the end of of the holidays. So I think it would be researching the type of camp that he would be going to that would help you across that period of time. I wish you were in Australia, Caroline, because we've got playgroups. Yeah. Which is where you, 
mothers in but the we group also have lots area. and lots of um, like coding camps and soccer camps and stuff that are just for a couple of hours and I'm sure that you might be able to find them in America in your area but the idea would be that if you get a little bit of running a little bit of socialization with kids in his area especially as he's moved to a new area by moving house so Wouldn't it that be great if he went to a summer camp where the kids are going to his school next Yeah, that's right. Term. So that would be amazing. Yeah, contact the school and see how that works. But, yeah, I think a little bit of socialisation would benefit across such a long period of time. All right, Caroline, good luck with that. It feels like we're still in summer. I know we're, no. we're about to go into winter. so But you'd never know. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the next question comes from Rachel. Hi, Rachel. She has a one-year-old. I've listened to previous podcasts and implemented some of the things that, Chris, you have recommended, but she's still stuck with a fussy eater. Oh. My girl is just one and has been refusing all veggies, most meat, and will only eat pasta, bread, cheese, wheat bix yo- yogurt, and grapes. Yep. I don't give her snacks. She has three milk bottles a day on rice before second nap and before mm. bed. Yep. Her meals are at 7.30am, 12pm and 5pm. When yeah. I put anything on her tray, small amounts only, she has a full-on tantrum, wailing and thrusting around oh. and either just keeps going, I have tried to stand off. <laughs> wow. Um, for Brave up to woman. 10 minutes or she throws the food on the floor. Help, please. I dread every meal and am super worried she isn't getting enough goodness in her limited diet. That's Rachel's question. Well, Rachel, I think the good thing is she is just being throwing tantrums because you've got your timing right, you've got the amounts right, you know what she will eat, and the fact that she's reacting as soon as you put it down. So it's not like she's tasted it and then spat it out and doesn't like it and restricts her food. She actually looks at it and says, no, that's not what I want, so I'm not going to eat it. So I think this is difficult because it's probably erring more on behaviour than it is in a classic fussy eater that gets better as time goes on. So the only thing I could suggest for you is with each meal that you're putting down something new, you put down something you know she'll eat and to do it in a social setting. So say we wanted to introduce um, a sandwich at lunchtime because it doesn't seem that she'll eat the sandwich. Oh no, she'll eat bread and cheese. So say we were going to give her an omelette at lunchtime. I would probably try and sit her high chair up to the table. I would eat the omelette with her and I'd have the omelette on a separate plate. So mummy's going to have some omelette. You're sitting at the table because often they're interested in what you're eating off your plate. And then, so she hasn't had her lunch yet. And then see if she'll get interested because it's on your plate. And so she's not sitting in the high chair in the middle of the kitchen. She's sitting in the dining room or she's sitting up to the counter with you side by side. We've got an omelette you're eating and then you just put a little bit down and see if she'll engage the food that way. I think that's your best bet because the more you keep giving her the food that she wants, the more it creates the problem. So I think in this case... Um, I would definitely work on the premises of a new food a little, and then try that for 15 minutes and then giving her a little bit of what she knows and see if that might encourage her to eat better. 
Good luck, Rachel. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. And Chris has over 30 years' experience as an antenatal educator. She's also the author of the book Bringing Baby Home. If you'd like to ask Chris a question about anything from weaning to toddler tantrums, you can give us a call on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. That's 1-800-543-772. Or you can pop your questions below if you're watching us through Facebook Live. During the week, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. Bree has a three-year-old. She says, I'm at my wit's end. My three-year-old has tantrums all the time. He gets quite angry and nasty, which concerns me. His 10-week-old sister is much easier than him at the moment. (laughs) I've tried taking toys, time out, talking to him about his behavior, but still having no luck. Any ideas? I just want my happy child back. Oh, Bree. So we needed probably a little bit more information, like how long has this been going on? When do they generally occur? Is it afternoon or evening? Um, Is it because you're doing things with a baby? Um, Is it because he's three? So there's a little bit more information, but generally speaking, there are periods in development where they are difficult in terms of tantrums. Now, he's doing it at three, other babies do it at two and a half. And I think what you have to do is somehow in all that chaos is understand that the only bit you're disciplining is the behavior and you've got to look at the big picture. So is he having tantrums every day between four and six? She says all the time. (laughs) Yeah, but all the time is very, all the time could be every day and all the time could be every time I put him in the car. So we need a little bit more information there that you might be able to give us. But let's say it's at the end of the day, and it could be perception, because some people think they can wait till 5.30 or 6 for dinner, and actually they're starving at 5, and you get all this behaviour. It could be that that baby is very good, but mum has to sit down three or four times in the day and feed that baby, and he just sees that and doesn't know where he fits in with the family. It could be that you haven't realised that three-year-olds take a lot of time and patience and you're trying to get out the door because you've got an hour before that baby needs a feed and he's been rushed and really he just wants it to slow down. And the very last one is he could just want time. And we actually give them a lot of time because he gets a lot of time when he's naughty, but he doesn't get a lot of positive time. So it's nice to know that at least you're trying to talk to him, but the best time to talk to him is when you're putting him to bed at night. So a little bit more information. Now, I was dealing with another little girl, actually, who was a three-year-old, and she was having terrible tantrums, really bad tantrums. And then her parents said something significant. They said to me, we cannot get her to eat meat. And I said to them, well, how about we stop disciplining her and just give her some iron to see if her iron level was a little bit low. Two days later, they rang me back and said, not only has the preschool thought she was a different child, but we can see the kindness in her. She had low iron. Wow. So there's, yeah, so there's so much that goes into this. But I think if you can just see it as basic, you know, tantrums of a child, I discipline the behavior. So if he's hit his sister, which doesn't sound like he's doing, but he's obviously doing something, I think you've got to give this time and patience. If he's having a meltdown, let him have the meltdown. But don't let no be maybe. So if he's having a meltdown because you said, no, we can't have a biscuit before dinner, 
then don't let it be maybe and suddenly he gets the biscuit because that's going to introduce more and more tantrums because he knows the bigger the tantrum, the more the reward will be. So I'm sorry that that's a bit general, but it might give you a bit of a help. Or if you can send back some more specific, I think we could give you some help there as well, Bree. All right, Bree. Good luck. Three-year-olds, they're always a bit of a handful. They're delightful. (laughs) They are. are. They're very cute. Um, Well, I've got everyone. I'd love to do a plug for our special Mother's Day messages. So basically what we're doing is we're calling on all of our listeners, send a message to your mum or your grandma or um, the special woman in their lives. And when I say them, I mean children. But hey, if you want to say happy Mother's Day to your mother and you're an adult, please feel free to give us a call. You just call 1-800-KIDS-RADIO, the same number that you call now to speak with Chris, and you can leave a message on our answering machine that will then be played on our airwaves. We've got until Thursday night, so you can get the call in, get your partner or someone you trust. They can call us up and leave their message. So, you know, or it could even be to a, a friend who is tired and you want to give them a message because they've their kids or their husband's not going to get on the phone and give them a call. So um, you can leave your own Mother's Day message. That's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Um, right now we're just going to go back to the Kindling Helpline with your questions. Olivia has a two-year-old. I Oh, actually, almost two-year-old. It's Is it too early for her to stop napping altogether? Um, she naps for one and a half hours and goes down quite easily most days, but she's pushing her bedtime later yeah. and later every day. Yeah. She wakes up around eight in the morning. Yep. She wakes from her nap no later than three, and we try to settle her around 8.39, but she'll take up to three hours to finally sleep. She'll lay in the cot for an hour, seemingly trying to sleep, then would perk up again and ask for food, so we'd take her out of the room. (laughs) Oh, lovely. The cycle goes on until she's desperately tired, resists being put into the cot, and I have to take her to bed with us. If If she misses her nap, she'll go down around 7.30. Please help. I think you've got the timing right. If she gets up at 8 and you give her a sleep around 3, I wouldn't go any later than 3 because, as we've said before on this program, it takes about five to five and a half hours from when they're woke to when they're tired. So I think your timing is pretty close. So up at 8, awake by 3, and then down between 8 and 8.30. I think you've got absolutely the right things. But this is a case of where no means maybe. So you've put her into a bed and she's actually laid there for an hour. Okay, so that's pretty good. And then when she said, I want food, you got her up. So she goes, well, when I've had my rest, I'll just call for food and then I'll go out there. And then I think she gets overtired because she gets overstimulated by coming out. So I think that we need to stop doing that behavior, um, giving her a reward for saying, I need food. And the second thing is you could probably reduce her sleep down to one hour and that might definitely help her from laying around for an hour after you've put her to bed and the third thing is that generally a two-year-old still needs sleep for them to lose the sleep completely I think you would have terrible meltdowns by the end of the day so if um, you restrict the sleep that she has down to an hour and hopefully she would keep that till she's about two and a half I think generally you'll be able to manage this pretty well with just a little bit of sleep settling when she, once she has gone down at night. So if she's laid there for an hour and then she's got up and called out, going in, resetting her by laying her down, giving her a pat or kissing a cuddle and laying her back down again, we'll probably do the trick because I think she's confused as to what 
happens and then she gets really overtired and it's taken you a long time to get her back down to sleep. So if she's been fed at you know, 6.30 in that time frame. She'd be having dinner at 6.30 and um, down in bed at 8 o'clock. There's no reason for her to need food again at 9 o'clock. So I think that that's the only bit that's the behavioural part of it and reduce her day sleep down to an hour and I think you'll be fine and hopefully, fingers crossed, she'll keep it for about another six to eight months. <laughs> yes, keep Hopefully. them as long as you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you probably feel that way anyway. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you don't normally join us on a Monday, Chris is here every week answering your questions either on the phone, which is 1800 Kids Radio, or you can pop your question below if you're watching us via Facebook. You can also send us an email, conversation at kindling.com.au. We have a question from Sam. Hi, Sam. My two-year-old boy is an only child. He's usually great with other kids, but last couple of months, he's been very rough with babies. He Mm. hits, pokes, and grabs them roughly. I keep saying no, but he's not showing any signs of improving his behavior. I'm scared he will hurt a child, and I feel terrible. Oh, don't feel terrible. Sam's doing what every two-year-old does. He's a little bit rough. Um, He doesn't know his own strength. So what we do is if you know he's a little bit rough with babies, then when babies are around, I just sit either close to him or close to the baby um, without making a point of it. And the other thing is, which it doesn't say here whether he goes to daycare, but if he doesn't go to daycare, he might just need a little bit more interaction, social interaction with his age group. So with twos and three-year-olds, because it sounds like he wants to just run and play and be a little bit rough with someone and he's picking on the poor little babies. So one is to protect either him or the babies. And the second one is that if he isn't doing a little bit of... um, He doesn't need to do a lot of daycare, might do a bit of occasional care or he might do lots of group things like music group and dance and soccer joeys or something where he mixes with his own age group and I think you'll see this behaviour go away. And if it's any consolation, Sam, I know um, from my own experience and other parents that lots of two-year-olds, when they have a sibling that's his baby, they do the same thing. So it's not... Except um, they just get told gentle, gentle, gentle all, all the, the time. time. Doesn't always work. Yeah, we have uh, so good luck with that, Sam. I'm sure it will. It'll improve. it'll settle down. Uh, Ellen has a 13 month old. I'm currently trying to wean my daughter from being breastfed. Yep. She's a good eater, and I only I'm only breastfeeding her in the morning and at bed at night before bed. My only worry is that some nights around three or four a.m. she wakes up, and the only way I can get her back to sleep is to feed her. That normally gets her to sleep until six thirty or seven. Is she just thirsty? Could I just offer her water? She eats three meals a day, normally two wheat bix pasta or rice with veggies for lunch and something similar for dinner. She doesn't really snack. Only if she sees us eating something, we might give her a little bit. She normally self-settles but is restless. But if she's restless, I normally just rub her back until she relaxes. Well, that all sounds pretty good. Should she just give her water when she wakes up? Well, I think it's probably more about seeing mum. If I see mum in the middle of the night, then I go for the breasts. You know, they see your face. I call it, they see your face and then they look at your chest. (laughs) That's the person who gives me this. Um, So I think if you had, I think 
weaning's perfectly fine and uh, you could probably start dropping the morning one. That'll help her. And then the next thing is over the weekend is just get dad to go in and settle her. Now, it's no easier for dad, but what she's not doing is making that connection between mum's going to come in and feed me dad's going to come in and settle me. And then after a few days of dad doing it, then I think mum could go in and settle her and she'll get the message. Um, So I think this is purely about you going in and her looking for the chest and her having a little feed that comforts her. And then she goes back to sleep again. So two choices, you can just keep doing it till you're ready to completely wean and then get rid of all the feeds at once. Or you can do what I've just suggested and just handle the nights and then slowly wean your days down. Um, But I think this one, it's more about she sees you and therefore she sees a feed. And dad going in for a couple of nights, letting her cry for five minutes, go in, give her a cuddle, lay her down, pat, 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 will probably do the trick, but it'll be loud. It'll be very loud. So pick your weekend that you're going to do it and it should work. Good luck, Ellen. Uh, Betty has a 16-month-old. How can I push my 16-month-old's naps to closer to the middle of the day? We're having 5 a.m. wake-ups. He then naps around 9 or 10 for one to two hours and then bed between 6 and 7. Uh, I think you just have to keep him up longer. So in this case, so if he was waking at five, normally they, when they wake at six, we put him down at 11.30. Um, and then see, if he goes to bed at six, he's going to wake up at five. So we have to move the whole sequence a little bit to the, to the right. So um, put him down at nine. So he gets up at five. I think every day I'd put him down 15 minutes later. So for the next two days, I'd put him down at quarter past nine. And then two days later, I put him down at 9.30, <laughs> sorry. Going backwards. And then 9.45, then 10, 10.45, until you get to 11.30. And actually, as time goes on, you could probably keep him up for half an hour to move him along. So about every two days, you're going to keep him up a little bit longer. Now, as you do this, though, you need to be aware that if you put him in a car or a pram before you put him down to bed, he will fall asleep and he'll throw the system out. So... Betty, just take it in a few steps, get a piece of paper and write it out. So you might write down Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm not putting you down till 9.15, then Thursday, Friday, so forth and so on, until you at the point where you can move them in half hour lots. And you're trying to get up to about 11.30, where he sleeps from about 11.30 to 1.32, and then he'll go down at 7. And weirdly, that will fix your 5 o'clock in the morning. So once he goes down at 7, he'll sleep till 5. Now, you might say to me, If I put him down at seven now, he still wakes at five and that's because he's overtired because he hasn't had very much sleep, which goes down at nine or 10 for a couple of hours. So he goes a very, very long time without a sleep and he would be overtired by then. So you're trying to work up to 11.30 to about two and then 12 till two and then going down at seven. So I think if you inch it out, that'd probably be the best way. Okay, you are listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. We've got time for two more questions. This one comes from Bushra, who has a three and three years and three months old child. Um, she's not speaking properly. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand most of the things she says, and so she gets agitated. It's affecting her potty training. She yeah. is trained to do wheeze, but no poos. Please, Please help. That's right. She needs a little bit more speech to help her with that last part of her toilet training. So in this case, 
I think the first thing I would go and do is go off to the early childhood centre in your local area and get them to give an assessment through the childhood centre. They often have a speech therapist there that can help you out. So I would start the process because she is three and three months and usually by then they have clarity of words, if not using a couple of words in a row. So I think it's time to let somebody else assess her and find out if there is a problem or to give you hints on how to get her to talk more clearly to you and use more words. And I'm sure then the rest of her toilet training would come on. But that's right. If her, if her speech isn't great, it's sort of um, the toilet training will sort of come to a halt somewhere along the line because I don't have enough speech to say, Mummy, I need to go to the toilet. So let's get um, someone to have a look at her speech and I'm sure she will do really well from that point on. Okay, and our final question comes from Anna, who is, bless her soul, potty training triplets. Oh, good luck. Um, we're at this good stage. Good work, Anna. Yes. That makes you feel better for anyone who's potty training one child. Imagine doing three at once. Um, we're at the stage where our triplets are ready to be potty trained. How do we start? I'm terrified of finding little surprises all over my house. Oh. Having three of them walking around is already running me ragged. Anna, if you're on Facebook, I think the thing we really need to know is how old they are. Because while it's yeah, good to know, help. it's good to know that they're ready. But how old are your triplets? Yes, and uh, th- that's really important for the triplets because often triplets are born somewhere between six and eight weeks early, two and a half years, yes. and. Were they early? Were they early? Because they might only have the development of two-year-olds. So let's see how how um, early they might have been, um, because that would make a big difference in what we say. Four weeks. Oh, four weeks. Prem. Good work, Anna. Forgetting the far. <laughs> okay, so we're okay to to basically call them two and a half year olds so you got the right time frame for toilet training how you do it with three one in all in is probably the best way to do it and a large bathroom um in this case because you tend to only have one toilet now i when i toilet train i tend to say let's all sit on the toilet because that's what you're going to go out and find is toilets but in this case with triplets i would get three little potty chairs and i would get them where they I know this sounds weird, but they look like a toilet. They have a toilet lid on them. And lots of places have that particular potty potty toilet. So in this case, you've got your three little chairs and your three little people. (laughs) And what I'm going to tell you to do, we're going to do in steps. And I'm sure we can write it up or they can hear it back through the podcast. But what we're going to do is... First, we're going to toilet time them. So for the next couple of weeks, I would sit them on their little potties as you're running the bath. So they're all sitting in a row in the bathroom. And as the bath's being run, you're just seeing if they can do a wee because you want to see where they all are sitting in development. So for a couple of weeks, now as the weeks go on, you'll get more wees in the toilet while they're sitting on their potty chairs. You'll also get a lot of jumping up and down. So you might need a little book and it's going to be our little story time while they're sitting in the bath's been run once you start getting a couple of wheeze in the little potty chairs while the bath's been run then we're going to move to toilet timing now toilet timing is where they still wear say pull-ups and you're going to physically take them to the toilet maybe mid-morning lunchtime when they get up from the afternoon sleep when they have a bath and we're looking for more wheeze around that time so when we get more wheeze that might take a week or so 
then we're ready for toilet training. Now, here's a brave thing, Anna, because it's winter <laughs> somewhere where you might live. <laughs> and um, you need to really have a week where you stay at home. Now, this is where it's going to get frantic. And I would put long sleeve tops on them. And I put little undies on them and I warm the house up a little bit and I do gentle reminders. So I say things like, we're going outside to play. Would you like to do a wee before we go? And if they say no, you have to sort of believe them and they've said no. And some will say yes, because there's three of them. And then what you're waiting for is for them to say, mummy, I need to go to the toilet. So mummy, I need to go to the toilet. Then we'll We'll get them back to the bathroom and help them go to the toilet. And the other thing is whether they're boys or girls, because sometimes girls get this um, perception of toilet training quite easily, and sometimes boys are looking at the ceiling, and you might have to stop them at toilet timing and do that through the winter. And then in the summer, they might pick it up. They might need a little bit longer to do it. So I would start with toilet timing once in the day before the bath. If that goes well, I'd move to toilet timing four or five times. And then I'd move to toilet training, which is where we're waiting for them to say, Mummy, I need to go to the toilet. So I hope that makes it clear, Anna. But I think you're a brave person taking this on in the, in the winter. But I definitely get the toilet timing going. Good luck, Anna. Thank you, everyone, for your questions on whether it was on Facebook or writing into us. Um, remember, you can subscribe to our podcast where you can hear all kinds of information from Chris as well as other parenting topics. Chris, as always, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure.